You're listening to the Long's Chapel Weekly Message Podcast, available Sundays at 5 o'clock p.m. If you would like to connect to Long's Chapel or keep up with all events happening at Long's Chapel Church, connect with us via Instagram, Facebook, or on our church website, longschapel.com. Here at Long's Chapel, we believe in worshiping and serving God by reaching people and growing together as passionate followers of Jesus Christ, because all people matter to God. This week's message comes from our lead pastor, Reverend Chris Westmoreland. To uh, share in this uh, continued uh, journey of Lent together, uh, we um, uh, had an opportunity on Wednesday to uh, to celebrate Ash Wednesday or observe Ash Wednesday together. Do you celebrate or do you observe Ash Wednesday? Maybe both. Um, but anyway, we had an opportunity. Grateful for um, for Pastor Betsy who uh, took reins in the midday service, and um, grateful that we had an opportunity. Over 200 folks uh, in in worship on Wednesday, which is our highest Ash Wednesday attendance post COVID. So it was wonderful. Um, but anyway, if you if you missed it, though, uh, three words for you here. You you are dirt. Okay? So if you don't understand that, you can talk to somebody who was there. Um, but anyway, but the, the goal, right, of Ash Wednesday was to try to get us as close to the ground as possible, right? Scripture gives us great imagery of this is how God created us, like from the dust of the earth. So to get closer to the dust of the earth and to see what God can do with us in that state is a pretty beautiful thing. Um, I, that word really speaks profoundly to me individually, to hope it speaks to you. It speaks to church life. It speaks to what it means to be the body of Christ for the world. Um, and man, I just think... Um, um, that like Lent is coming at like a amazing time. If you are not used to the tradition of Lent, it is just simply the six weeks that lead up prior to the Easter celebration. Um, one sentence uh, explanation about that. Easter is too important just to show up for. Right, Easter is too important just to show up for. Like, like we will get a whole lot more out of the resurrection message of Jesus if we can allow ourselves over the next several weeks to kind of find places in our heart that aren't fully alive and need to be touched by the resurrection power of Jesus. Um, so can we just celebrate that together? I want to honor that together. When I think about Lent, I can't help it. I always think about a dryer, right? <laughs> I always think about Lent and the dryer. Anybody else bad about checking the, the Lent um, little drawer thing, you know? Well, you know, when you don't pay attention to Lent, um, when you're doing a whole lot of uh, laundry, you know, it can cause a fire, and not in a good way, all right? So I uh, just want to invite you to pay attention to this journey. Uh, excited about the fact that we have a chance to reflect a little bit on some spiritual practices. The church historically has called those spiritual disciplines, um, and we're really talking about these things as a bit of a path to growth, and so who wants more growth in their life? Yes, I want some growth. I want that. I hope and pray that you do as well. And so as we uh, kind of launch into that today, um, just a word of explanation, a little bit about disciplines, and then to have an opportunity to um, very specifically to zero in on what God might share with us uh, about one particular one. Um, it is confession time uh, for this pastor. And so this confession, true story, goes something like this. It was about uh, three Saturdays ago, I believe. It was two or three Saturdays ago. I think I've blocked it out. Uh, anyway, I'm coming from the Parsonage, coming down Old Clyde Road. I'm actually um, heading to, uh, to Lake Junaluska for an appointment. And so, I don't know, it's like about 11. Actually, I know for a fact it was 11.31. And the reason I know that it was 11.31 is because, you know, I might have supposed to have been where I was going by 11.30. And it was 11.31. And I had left the Parsonage. And the Parsonage just went four minutes from Lake Junaluska, right? Um, so, uh, I'm, I'm cooking down Old Clyde Road here, right? When I see... The, our law enforcement friends that are right across the street pretty much every day. Like, they're pretty, like I know them. I mean, I mean they're, they're there pretty regularly, right? God bless. Can we celebrate our law enforcement friends? Because they're amazing and we love them. Yes, absolutely. 
Um, and so, yeah, so anyway, so it's a very nice and lovely gentleman that day that pulled out behind me and wanted to give me um, a police escort to the lake. <laughs> So uh, anyway, so we got kind of pulled over and situated and organized and uh, come to find out that I thought, I mean, I've been here for six years, you know, you think you know these kind of things, but I thought that this, you know, Old Clyde Road right here, I mean, I'm only the pastor of the, the church, right? I thought it was, you know, 45 miles an hour out here, right? Doesn't that sound reasonable? Uh, it's 35, yeah. And I, I was going 54. It, it was not, <laughs> it was, it was, it was less than ideal. Um, it was less than ideal. Um, anyway, I find myself uh, in this space where I had this lovely conversation with this gentleman, and I, I, I did not mention that I'm the pastor of the church where you sit across the street from all the time. Like, that has not ever really worked out in my favor anytime I've ever done that. So I just really leave that alone um, because you inevitably get a law enforcement officer that, like, got, you know, like slapped across the hand by a nun in Catholic school or something and, you know, has some grievances against the church. So that, that does never really work well. But, um, but anyway, but I mean, just had a lovely conversation with him. And then when I realized that, oh, you know what? Well, I realized I was going a little over the speed limit. I didn't realize how much I was going over the speed limit. And he said, yeah, okay. So like, let me take your stuff and I'll be right back. And I'm thinking, you know, warning, warning, warning. And then he comes back and he says, you know, I'm going to see you on like March 31st or whatever, whatever Hunter schedules it at, whatever Hunter. Um, <laughs> um, and do you know what I said? Do you know what I said? Thank you. Thank you. Because he was doing his brilliant job, which is really, really important. And I was wrong. And his ticket, like there's a lot of ways to think about that, right? But his ticket, which was my first ticket in a while, which he did mention, which is why I thought he might give me a warning, but he didn't. I think he knew that I needed maybe a little bit more than a warning. Hear that, right? I think he knew that. But, um, but, but here's what's interesting, right? Is that I was able to say thank you and thank you for what you do and all that. Um, and I was able to do that because I, I, was, I was wrong. And he was calling me out. I mean, that little like 54 on the ticket, it had a little R beside it, which means he wasn't guessing. Like that was radar, <laughs> right? What I didn't want to tell him is that was after I hit my brakes, but that's a whole other... <laughs> It, it even gets worse. I, I, really, I really thought it was 45. Like I was going to go to court and argue that it was 45 because I was certain of it or the sign had been taken down. And little did I know, this is another moral lesson for all of us uh, and literal lesson, right? Is that, um, do you know that right up here across from Walnut Ford Road, like right up here where Junaluska Sanitary District is, um, like there is this big flashing, not flashing, but flashing to me now, big speed limit sign that says speed limit 35, it is a tenth of a mile from this church. I go by it every day, at least multiple times. And I have not paid attention to the sign. And he knew that I hadn't paid attention to the sign. And he's trying to tell me, you know what? You need to pay attention to that sign for your well-being and for the well-being of others. And he gives me a ticket, right? Which hurts and stings and doesn't feel good. I'm trying to figure out what's the worst, what the most humiliating part of that whole journey is, right? It could be when everybody in Haywood County like rubbernecks out the road to see who got stopped, right? And, and, and you know, half the folks look with sympathy and half the folks look with like, ha ha, look, you got caught. I mean, there's that whole thing. But, but, you know, that's kind of humiliating. But, but really, just to be called out to be wrong is hard, right? It's hard. And um, I'm thinking about that as, as discipline. And I want you to think about what if, um, 
that particular policeman or other law enforcement officers, like what if they weren't out there policing traffic laws? What do you think that would look like? Oh my gracious. Like anybody ever been to the bumper cars? And just the one that runs the best, like that person's lucky, right? Um, you know, no, that would be horrible, right? I want you to think about if, if every stop sign or if every speed limit sign or if every um, like traffic light, what if all of that meant nothing? Would, my question is, would anybody get anywhere? No, right? We would never get anywhere. Uh, and it would be a bit of pandemonium. It would be like kind of lawlessness. And so, like, I'm using this as an example of discipline, right? Which, not a whole lot of fun, humiliating, humbling, but actually really important, really important for the overall well-being of myself and, and the safety and, and care for others, Think about that with me for just a minute, if you will, because I, I, I think there's a really important premise to this whole entire series. We flirted with it on Wednesday at Ash Wednesday. I want to make sure that we grab hold of it because I think it's really, really important. God longs for the best for you. God longs for the best for you. Would you share that with a neighbor? And there's a neighbor around you that needs to hear the affirmation that God wants the best for you. God wants the best for you. God wants the best for you, friends. Yeah, God, like, like I think God's open to our questions and our wrestlings and our struggles and our, God, what did you really mean by this? Like, I think God actually takes all of that actually pretty well because God actually desires the best for us. And I don't know about you, but why that's so foundational is if we are actually making the case, which the Bible makes, that God longs for a personal relationship with us, then we need to wonder about the motivation or the motives underneath the heart of the person that longs to be in that kind of relationship with us. And so that's why I say over and over again that in the scriptures there is this common theme, and that is that not only does God want the best for you, but God will give anything so that you can have your best right? Which, which God provides in a whole host of different ways. Um, and so if we can kind of use that as a bit of a foundation for the next several weeks, um, I think it could be really helpful. And I want to keep coming back to it because I think it's really, really important. Because when we start thinking, well, like, why, why does God say this? Or like, why does God want me to do this? It feels really important that we come back to, oh, okay, but God has a perspective that I don't have. And there's something about this that God longs to work for my good. There's something about this. Like, that is such a pivotal life question, isn't it? If we can come back to this and be able to say, you know what, how I'm supposed to manage or approach this is actually at the very heart of it, there is something that, Romans 8, God is longing to work together for good for me, because I'm like longing to try to, to love God well. And so Matthew 6, uh, Matthew 6, 6, it's right in the heart of um, the um, the primary teaching that Jesus gives to us that we would call a moralistic teaching. Uh, it's the Sermon on the Mount. And I think what is really important about this, and we're going to see this a lot actually throughout the next several days, is that our next several Sundays, which is the, the really profound thing, right, is that um, Jesus in these teachings and the sermon series in these teachings, uh, in, in encouraging us to find a path for growth, will invite us to do the preparation work through practices that'll help us find the best posture so that the prayer and the way that we're engaging with God um, can actually allow God's glory and God's fullness to, uh, to touch and bless and strengthen and orient us. Um, so there's a lot of P's there, but just hang on with me because this is uh, week one of, of the series. So Matthew 6, 6, 
Be especially careful when you're trying to be good so that you don't make a performance out of it. It might be good theater, but the God who made you won't be applauding. This is uh, the message version, Eugene Peterson. Um, that's six one, six two, of Matthew. Um, when you do something for someone else, like don't call attention to yourself. Like, like you've seen them in action, I'm sure. Those those play actor folk, you know. Um, like I call them, like treating prayer meetings and street corners alike as a stage. Acting compassionate as long as someone is watching, playing the crowds. Like, they get applause, true, but that's all they get. And when you help someone out, like, don't think about how it looks. Just, just do it. Like, quietly and, and unobtrusively. Like, that's the way your God, who conceived you in love, is working behind the scenes and is helping you out. God doesn't do it with a show, neither should you or I. And verse 5, and when you come before God, don't turn that into a theatrical production either. Like all these people, like they want to make like a regular show out of their, their prayers or hoping for 15 minutes of fame. Like do you think God is sitting in a box seat? Think about that orientation, right? Here's what I want you to do. This is the punchline of this part of the teaching. So I want to invite you to really grab hold of this. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to find a quiet and a secluded place so that you won't be tempted to role play before God. And just be there as simply and as honestly as you can manage. And if you do that, when you do that, Jesus says, the focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense God's grace. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Isn't that rich? I can say that because Jesus said it, right? Like I'm just, I'm the messenger of getting to share this version of those words and the sentiment under those words that are powerful, right? About sometimes how easily we get caught up in um, like the acting notion or the concerned about how other people think about us or like for so long in my life, I was worried way more about pleasing people than I was pleasing God. And I didn't realize those two things were at odds until like some spiritual work that just kind of put that in my face and said, actually, like what people always want out of you isn't necessarily what God wants for you. And so like there's some stuff to figure out there. And it's almost like this particular posture that Jesus is encouraging us to have, right? He's going to continue to teach and we'll talk about that. He's going to actually continue to lead us to the form, the formula that is the Lord's prayer and all that it is, right? So like that's another teaching, but the heart and the gift of what like Jesus seems to be talking about, which is the condition and um, the practice underneath the posture of the way that we're meant to communicate with God or be in prayer with and, and for God. And, and so as we have an opportunity to think a little bit um, about that today, right? We're lifting up the, the path to growth or the, the spiritual discipline or practice of, of fasting, now, another confession I need to make is that I had a Dr. Pepper and a Twinkie for breakfast on a Sunday when I'm preaching about fasting. <laughs> I am fasting from Cheerwine. Thank you. That's very good. I'm fasting from Snickers bars. And... <laughs> 
I'm really not actually, but yeah, I'm t- I need all the vices I can get right now. But you know, I mean, it really, friends, we get to the place where um, I want to I like invite us to think about fasting as in, in Jewish culture, it was very much oftentimes denying oneself of some food and often denying oneself of some water that in a very specific way was meant to cultivate some kind of hunger and thirst for God, right? So I want to name that that's kind of the origin of the notion of fasting. The truth of the matter is, though, when you look over the entirety of Jesus's ministry, he's often calling his followers into kind of a fasting um, posture, right? A fasting posture. He's oftentimes calling folks into that. And it's not always actually around food. Sometimes it's around other things. Sometimes it's not about taking something away from life as much as it is adding something new in that will then begin to make, like take up the space of that old thing that wasn't life-giving. I don't know if you guys know this, but when we're thinking about fasting, like intermittent fasting in like the medical world, and again, I'm not a medical doctor, so please don't take anything I'm getting ready to say as medical advice because it ain't. Um, I mean, I live with a pharmacist. That's the closest I have to a medical degree. But um, (laughs) um, this notion, right, of intermittent fasting, it is literally like all the rage. I don't know if you've heard about it, um, but this week I was pulling off some health benefits off of what looked like a pretty reputable website. Um, and I know there's some scary and sketch stuff out there, but, but the you know, folks that are kind of talking about intermittent fasting and how maybe for 12 hours you wouldn't eat and then that makes the body hungrier and, and then like you can research that if you want to. Again, I'm not advocating it. I'm just simply using it as an illustration because it is absolutely all the rage. And if you're not doing it, a lot of your friends are doing it. Right, and here's what, the, here's what the research says about the effects, right? It is literally meant to be done for the physical effects, right? So this is not fasting as a spiritual process or an emotional healing. This is about fasting for physical benefit. Here, here's what they say it does. Makes the body burn fat by changing metabolism. So think about it. It's burning off the stuff that we all say we don't want. That's interesting. Promotes healing right? And promotes healing by helping us feel more full with less. So what these folks are saying is, in a physical kind of way, that intermittent fasting, whether it's true or not, actually changes somebody's perspective and they can actually eat less and feel more full. Why? Because they're not eating all the time or they can't eat anytime they want to, so they have to be more focused when they do eat. Therefore, even a little bit feels like a lot because they haven't had it, right? So burns fat, like perspective, like kind of feeling more full with less. Lowers blood pressure and blood sugar. What does that mean? It helps somebody chill. Is in, like That's my layman's language for that, right? And it protects mental acuity and enhances overall health. Whether or not any of that is actually what intermittent physical fasting does. Think with me for just a minute, friends, about the fact that like this is one of probably the top five health crazes that's going on in our culture and going on in our world. And every single physical benefit that people are trying to find has a essential spiritual component to our well-being. That is not an accident. That is not an accident. That the fads that we get caught up in are not just about helping us look better, but they're actually about helping us feel better and be better. And sometimes, friends, sometimes, I'm not saying this is an example of that, but sometimes we kind of go about trying to get the right things, but we go about it in the wrong way. And not necessarily in the wrong way, just in a way that's not going to deliver in the way that we long uh, to be filled up, right? So like, I just want to invite us to think for just a minute, pray for just a minute about what some 
some kind of practice of like fasting could actually look like for us in our life. And I'm not asking you like if you're diabetic, you should not eat or, um, you know, if you need to drink water every hour that you shouldn't drink water. Like I'm not saying any of that. I'm saying let's look underneath. Remember, it's not just about the practice, but it's about the posture. It's about the basic teaching of what Jesus is actually offering to us about abundant and eternal life. And there is something about the perspective right, of not just getting whatever we want whenever we want it. There's something about that that's healthy for our spiritual lives. Now, you all hate me because, like, that's not a good news message, right? Because we're free and independent people, and, like, we ought to be able to get what we want when we want, and I I get it. But that's not Jesus's biggest interest. As I was thinking about this um, this weekend, I'm thinking about what does it look like, friends, for for us? I want you to think about how countercultural this is, but also how how spiritually odd this is. Like, this is why Jesus was crucified, is that he had teachings like this, right? Like, in a culture of plenty, we're in a culture of plenty. Not everybody has plenty, but we're in a culture of plenty. What does it mean when Jesus calls us to show restraint? Like, why is Jesus doing that? Like, what is that about? Is it about perspective? Is it about um, inviting us to realize that we live in a world with plenty that we may have access to, but not everybody does? Hence why the youth is raising food for second season because um, so many families in our community, guys, if they're able to get through all of their other bills, food ends up being a bill that oftentimes is just the bill that breaks the camel's back, right? So that's why why Long's Chapel has wanted to continue the 25-year history of the open door in what is currently the second season. That's just one example of um, a ministry of a way that in a world of plenty, in a world of plenty, we're invited to show restraint. And in the second season world, we're actually redirecting. Like Saturday's the biggest pickup day from Walmart and all the stuff that gets picked up then gets offered to folks early part of the week um, to be able to um, to add to their menus and, and they don't have to pay for that because they don't have the money to pay for that, right? So, I mean, that's powerful stuff. Think about when we live in a culture of affluence, and we do, we're not all affluent, but we live in a culture of affluence. And we're called to find a simpler path where our well-being isn't wrapped up in our net worth because our net worth could be pretty low and we could be actually full of spirit and life or our net worth could be so many zeros we can't even calculate it. We don't even know how to say that many zeros. And at the very same time, we could be feeling pretty empty, right? Jesus teaches a lot about that. It's almost like this practice is a way of helping us to, to evaluate that. In a culture, right, where like we're kind of, our culture's full of like all-you-can-eat buffets, What does it mean that we, friends, on Jesus' bequest, right, are invited to feast on the bread of life? We're invited to feast on the bread of life in a culture where anything can be worshipped, right? And, And where we're called to, like, not worship food or drink or popularity or fame or riches or comfort or any of these things that we so often want to kind of grab hold of and wrap up our well-being in, how many likes I might have on a particular Facebook thing, right? But the God who says, worship no other gods before me, is saying, but like, that makes me jealous because that's the part of you that I long for, Because remember, I want the best for you. And I know, God says, that I'm the only one that can deliver on the promise fulfilled of what you're actually after with all of those things that are ultimately, ultimately going to let you down. 
Friends, the question I have for you is like, what do you and what do I need to fast from today? Clearly, I'm saying I don't need to fast from Twinkies. I probably do, but that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> it's a whole other sermon. But, but what do you need to fast from, right? What do you need to, to fast from? I want to invite you to be very specific about this. And I want to invite you to be um, intentional intentional. I want to invite you this week to take some time and some space and to just kind of like think about and pray through and maybe even document kind of what you do in an average day. And like, how might Jesus be speaking to your heart to say, you know what, Chris, speaking of me, you know what, Chris, you could use a little more of this and a little less of this, whatever that is, right? And to be able to, to, to allow that to begin to formulate the posture that's underneath my relationship with God that helps God be my all in all and helps me less to depend on other things that want to be that but actually can't be that. Um, Kristen uh, has decided that she's given up um, social media for, for Lent, which uh, a lot of folks do. I, I, um, I told her that I was glad that we were in the first half a week of Lent because I didn't know how long that was gonna last. She's watching this right now and I'm probably in trouble, but... Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm actually excited about that for her. I, I'm thinking about media just in general, right? Thinking about media. I'm thinking about like when I was in college, the coolest thing that I got to do in mean, my free time was go to this store called Media Play. Anybody remember Media Play? I remember that, yeah. It's like my favorite thing to do when I, and it had like, I mean, it had every kind of media you could possibly imagine. It had books over here, it had like music over here, just all kinds of stuff, right? But like media, media has become our medium and what's interesting about it is it now oftentimes doesn't even claim objectivity, but it claims that like, well, actually, we're just kind of after your raw desires and we're just kind of feeding you up what we think you want to hear, which is certainly not all news outlets, but it's certainly a lot of what we digest, right? But God is, this. we talked about this a couple weeks ago, but I want to bring it back. God is way less interested in fulfilling our desires and God is way more interested in going beneath them to meet our raw needs, like, who actually longs to be a medium for us, right? Who longs to be the media for us? Because desires are going to come and go. They're going to change. Like, what we want changes. I don't know about you guys, but I change in, in, in the hour between, like, 11 and 1 o'clock. If I'm going to eat lunch at 1, I might have changed minds five different times about what I want for lunch. Like, I, I'm just that fickle sometimes about that. I bet you're that fickle about that or other things as well. But, like, Jesus comes to offer us a food and a drink that's meant that we will never go hungry or thirsty again. And God is out for what's best for you. And God is not just like going around saying, how can I make their life harder? What can I deprive them of so that like I can teach them some kind of valuable lesson about what's important? Like that's just really not the New Testament. In fact, Jesus very specifically rejects that notion of God. Je Jesus very specifically rejects that notion of God, that God is just kind of going around just trying to pull things away from our life just to teach us lessons. Uh, it's called Deuteronomic Theology and Jesus hates it and he's all over it. And he's, it's one of his major, major issues with the Pharisees is their posture about prayer and faith, their posture, and then some of their teaching that misrepresents who God is. 
And we have the opportunity today to pray about spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices that allow us to grow in such a way that we can ask Jesus the question, Jesus, what do you want more of for me? And what do you want less of for me? And how can I be a passionate follower of yours? Um, in a world where that tends to look a little strange. And, and that's okay. Right, and that's okay. Um, can I close with this uh, this story? We were at the parsonage. It was, man, this was probably the morning I got a ticket. I don't know. It might or might not have been. Uh, but I was actually coming out. I had opened up the garage door. And I had seen this thing uh, out of the corner of my eye. So I'm like in the store, the garage door's there. So I'm kind of facing this way as I come out into the garage. And the, clearly the, the door, the garage door and, and going up kind of startled what looked like, I thought it was a pretty good sized mouse over here to my left in my periphery, right? And uh, so I was like, well, that is kind of not good. I live with somebody who absolutely is petrified of mice. Anybody say an amen to that? Anybody else like hate rodents in that regard? That's, if Kristen had seen that, it would have been all, like for that day, it would have been all over for her. Like that would have been bad. Uh, and she would not deny that at all. But, but then I realized, um, hang on, I don't, like I see, I see some wings. I, that's, that's not a mouse, that's a bird. It's a little bird. It was trying to kind of fly. Our garage, um, maybe your garage is like this too. It has a few things in it. It has a lot of places where a bird could get lost. Amen? Like, do you have that? Do you have that? That's a whole other sermon. I need to fast from stuff, right? Um, I need to finally go through my mom and dad's stuff from four years ago. Like, it's sitting there, right? Like, I could do that. But, you know, that's, that's a sermon for another time again. But, but I see this bird, and it's so, so interesting, and it's like trying to fly. And I realize that, like, the more I think I'm going to go towards it, the more I'm going to scare it. So now that I know that it's a bird, not a mouse, I'm going to let it be. I'm going to come out and try and get in the car. And then the weirdest thing happens. Um, and uh, um, Morgan Plemons is up there, and she's a veterinarian, and she could probably blow this whole illustration for me, but I'm not going to look at her when I tell the story, Morgan. Um, but Because I could be totally making this up in my head is what I'm trying to say to you, but here's what I left with that day. Um, just outside, sitting on a trash can, when I open the door and then I step out of the garage, is a bigger bird. Same kind of bird, three times the size and it's singing. It's singing. And I watch it. I get in the car, so I don't I'll alarm them. That's, that's why I was late to that meeting. <laughs> get <in the> car. <laughs> I get in the car, and I, and I watch it, and the big bird just sings. Three, four minutes later, the little bird follows the voice. The little bird finds the big bird at the end of the voice, and then they fly off together. Isn't that a cool story? Morgan, don't ruin it for me. It could be, could be like that could not have been what was happening, but that's exactly what I saw, and it, and, it, and it touched me that in my mind, that big bird, when somehow we closed the garage door and there was some bird, that, like baby bird, that got lost in all of our stuff that was pecking around for food, and it got lost, and it got closed in, that somehow that big bird was like out there singing like all night to calm the little bird down. And then when the opportunity arose for the garage door to go up, that the, the big bird just kept singing so the, the baby bird could find its, its way home. Why? Because like no matter what trouble that uh, little bird was running into, like that, that big bird wanted it home, yeah. right? Like it wanted it home. And, uh, and he made it or she made it. Um, can, can we share together in a word of prayer? 
Oh God, you are um, you're calling us. You're, you're singing over us. You're, you're encouraging us. You're strengthening us. You're humbling us. You're helping us learn from discipline moments about how sometimes we're wrong. And sometimes we have to be told that we're wrong so that we can grow in what's right. And so, oh God, we, um, we just stand in the middle of this teaching. We pray, oh God, that you would um, help us. What we need more of, oh God, we pray that you would provide. Maybe the hardest part though for us, oh God, is what do we need a little less of? And how do we rely upon your spirit to show restraint that helps to change and enhance our perspective and and helps us be well and better and stronger and more faithful and moral God of um, the children that you long for us to be. Oh God, you meet us right where we are and you love us unconditionally. And yet, oh God, you long for that love to renew and to change and to transform us into nothing short of new creation. And so, God, for each and every one of us, we pray that you would um, help us this week in a new way, no matter how long we've been walking with you. Maybe this is the first time we've said we want to kind of pray regularly and connect with you regularly, or maybe it's the thousandth time, whatever, wherever we are on the journey. Oh God, we pray that you would help us to build in some time to specifically spend some time in conversation with you, oh God so that you can um, provide inspiration by the power of your Holy Spirit that leads us to what you long for for us, which is your best. For it's in the strong and precious name of Christ we pray and all God's people said, amen. Thanks for joining the Long's Chapel Message Podcast. If you connected in any way with us via this podcast, we invite you to connect further by either leaving a rating and review down below or contacting us via our church website at longschapel.com. Here at Long's Chapel, we believe in worshiping and serving God by reaching people and growing together as passionate followers of Jesus Christ because all people matter to God. See you next week.